Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Welcome to the 2024 edition of Weed and Grub, everyone. A couple of plugs up top. We are going on tour. The Feds Can Fuck Off Tour. Our first dates, 3-1 Berkeley, California. 3-3 Sacramento, California. 3-6 San Diego, California. Come on out. We've got games. We've got prizes. We've got stand-up. We've got giveaways. We've got laughs. We've got snacks. We've got... A potato. A potato. (laughs) (laughs) We've got it all. Uh, Tour dates are going to be in our show description and, as always, on our Instagram at Weed and Grub in the uh, bio link. (laughs) Heyo. Heyo. Yeah? Yeah. You ready to kick off 2024? I am. Well, do you even like surprises? It depends. That's fair. It truly depends. Yeah. I, I'm careful with surprises. I'm I'm not going to say a blanket yes, mm-hmm. but sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. I, especially coming off of a very spiky Lodka episode mm. last year, <laughs> I wanted to come in with gratitude, grace, and kindness. Oh, good. And so I thought I would start off our first episode of 2024 with a surprise. Okay. So as soon as we stopped that episode, I went on vacation. Great. Like, but my vacation consisted of ordering so much Domino's, they sent me a free pizza. Wow. Because they were like, hey, man, you're ordering a lot. Here's here's a free one. It's like, thanks, guys. Watching a ton of Netflix mm-hmm. and learning how to roll joints better. Great. Because I'm so, so bad at rolling joints and it's embarrassing. I, I, that is a wonderful use of your time on vacation. So I went through so much weed and my very last joint I wanted to save... Uh-huh. For the podcast and bring you a new and improved oh. role and get your honest opinion on it. I'm getting better. I'm doing the best I can. I'm so excited. Also, this feels like a little peace offering. It is. It, it 100% <laughs> is. Okay. Let's call it what it is. It's also an I'm so sorry uh, Thank peace you. pipe. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you uh, for those who didn't listen to last week's episode. Yeah, we got into it over some sneaky latka seasoning and and some other stuff too. And yeah, um, yeah like, and we had someone write into us and just say like, you know, what's going on? And it was like, well, you know, holidays are tricky. We were both feeling spiky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, emotions can run high for, I think, all of us around the holidays. And especially for, I mean, we've been pretty open and honest about how we were both like, whew. It's there's stuff happening. So this is a wonderful way to start off the new year with a beautiful, beautifully rolled joint. I do have a question. Which yes. end do I hit and which end do I like? So I rolled up both ends because... For transport? For transport. Um, but okay. the, the longer twist mm-hmm. is the lighting end. And then I guess we can untwist the other end. Okay. Uh, also, shout out to John Capetta because he doesn't use filters when he rolls. I've stopped using filters as well. Yeah. And because I was really struggling, like I don't know how to hold it in and roll it up and it all falls out. And so when uh, when I was hanging out with Capetta on uh, Christmas Day Eve, he was rolling joints and he didn't use a filter once. And I was like, oh, it's not required. That's so well. Also, when you're smoking good weed and it's sticky, like it it all just kind of holds together in that. So this is the end that I hit. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I uh, what am I smoking? What is this? Okay, so that is from Humboldt. Uh That is the farm cut. From um, those small Humboldt farms that all teamed up together to make one delicious, delicious uh, strain. So I need all your honest opinions because 2024, one of my resolutions is to be able to like roll, roll. Like I want to be able to hang with the homies. So give me all your thoughts. Mm. 
the roll is great. I just had to untwist that end a little more and get that sorted out. But hang on a second. Okay. The roll is great. Yeah, it's packed really well. And it hits nicely. I like this weed a lot too. Yeah, it's good. It's it's um it's mellow. It doesn't knock your socks off stoned wise, but it's tasty and it gets the job done. And it doesn't need a filter. Okay. Sorry I cut you off when you were saying like you stopped using filters as well. You're over it. Yeah, I don't though I'm having it here. Why don't you light it? Okay. I'm having a tough time. So that's that's going. my big thing is like um I don't know I don't have a it's it's rolled too tightly now. So yeah. what happens is this this is actually a really long filter. Mm -hmm. But when I roll, everything goes to the middles and falls out the sides. And then I tap, tap, tap. And then I rip off each end yeah. of the paper and because everything's compact in the middle. And so it's not evenly distributed and it's way too tight to actually get any pull from yeah. was the thing I kept running into. It's it's interesting. I wonder if you would have an easier time rolling blunts. I think you 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 might find that you or like you know there are all sorts of different wrappers like there are like hemp blunt wrappers and palm leaves and everything. You might have an easier time getting a better shape with a blunt wrapper. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that like a joint will last me a whole movie. Yeah. And I and a blunt would last me two movies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what your smoking intake is. It's great though, and thank you, thank you for sharing it. I'm rolling right now. Um, I'm judging a uh, the Women's Cannabis Awards, Women's Canna Awards, and they dropped off my judging kits um, over the holidays, and I have like 62 SKUs to get through, and about half of those are flour and half of them are edibles, so it's a great time. I've taken them over to friends' houses a couple of times over the holiday. I was just showing up with bags of stuff, and I'm like, can you all help me like write down notes, sample it? Like There were two parties that I went to specifically. One was a pajama party, and one was just like a friend hang where we just like were all smoking and taking notes while we like played board games and stuff. And it was great. And one of the things that they sent in the kit was a little roller to make it easier. And I've just been rolling up using that and not using a filter. And it's been really nice. Nice. Because when it's good sticky flour, you know, you get to really taste it without the filter. And um, yeah, it doesn't really need it. This is great, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Happy what up, New Mary Year. Jane? Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, sorry, I stepped on you. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Really good. Welcome to Weed and Grub 2024, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy, cannabis, culture, cooking, calling shit out, and being kind. And being k -k -k kind. And compassionate and enjoying kind weed and good food. Kind weed. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. Yeah. This is kind weed. Kind weed, good food. I mean, the name of our podcast says what we're about, you know, cornerstones for conversations about everything under the sun with weed and grub. Yeah. And new beginnings because I just saw <laughs> your very first sandwich post at It's the Mayo for Me of the Year. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a real, it's inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to. I actually got a little screen grab of what the sandwich was about because it was about new beginnings. And uh, it's just this story. I went home to Newfoundland in December to deal with some big family stuff. And while I was there in my house, I was looking at, you know, all of the things and just having all of the memories. And I came across this old dead plant. And it just made me feel really sad because I remember bringing home a cutting of that plant when I was in second grade in a little styrofoam cup. And I was so proud of it. I'd like, I, th I think won it at a white elephant, but I remember it specifically being second grade. I remember bringing it home. I remember the cup. I remember like giving it to my mom and dad and being like, you know, I brought this home and they potted it. And then that plant took root and it grew and grew and grew into all of these different pots. And it was distributed all over the house. It's this really cool plant called a piggyback plant that just proliferates. And as it grows on each leaf, all of these tiny little sprouts grow along the edge of the leaf, like they're piggyback 
stacking on the leaf uh -huh. and then they fall off and they proliferate. And so it's like an awesome plant that can just grow and grow and grow all over the place. And so as I grew up, the plant grew with me. Anyway, when my dad died uh, seven years ago now, most of the aquariums and plants went to other homes because he was the one who took care of them. But this plant just stayed in a pot on the windowsill. And then, you know, my mom's just been really slowing down and slowing down. And this just, just never got watered. And I came across it and it was just dead. And I was like, so sad. And I was like grieving for this plant because it was, you know, a representation of all of these other things and people that I've, that I've lost and that I miss. And then uh, one of the women who I was with looked at it and she was like, no, 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 look closer. You can take that little, there was one little sprout off it. And she was like, you can, you can um, take that with you and plant it when you go back to LA. So I brought it back and I planted it just before ho the holidays and I looked at it and it's sprouting and it's just this new growth, new life of this plant that has been with me my whole life. It felt super meaningful and I made a little sandwich about it and um, all of the comments are so kind and lovely and you know, just wishing all of us healing and, and, you know, moving forward and growth in the new year. And so just, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's incredible. That's my little plant. How did you transport it? Did you have to put it like in a, I just in a in condom a, or anything? No, no. I just put it in a film canister, you know, like those old school film canisters. I just put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's so great. My piggyback plant. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Congrats. Thanks. Especially getting through all of that and then coming back with true like sprouting of new beginnings. Yeah. It's beautiful. It was pretty great. And so, yeah, I was just sort of in keeping with like all of the things for the holidays, you know, cutting cords and moving on towards growth and healing and all of that kind of stuff. And like, this was really like taking this from that dead pot and then getting rid of that whole big dead pot oh, and just yeah. bringing back this one little piece. And so when I managed to grow this into a whole plant, then I'll be able to take cuttings and share them with friends and then everyone can have a piece. That's so neat. My <laughs> yeah. stomach just growled about it. Like I'm awesome. hungry for that kind of connection. That's really cool. Yeah, it was pretty great. Wow. Okay. I don't know where to go from there. I'm I'm stoned and that feels beautiful. Like I could call it. Well, like, we, can that was so about, great. we can talk about we can talk about um the the beautiful experience that you had that um I think you really enjoyed that. Oh, speaking of starving, you yeah. filled me up. <laughs> okay. You filled me up. Man, I didn't know how hungry I was until I went to the Luna Luna Carnival Art Exhibit, um, I think presented by Drake and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt from it. Shout out Basquiat. Shout out 1987 Luna Luna. Uh -huh. And um, thank you. Thank you. You're I welcome. was, I, man, I want to get into museum etiquette and I want to get into how I explore a museum. Do we need to pause, Mark? Okay. But also, Mark, are we recording? Yeah. He's saying go ahead. Okay, great. Shout out <laughs> producer Mark. 2024, Mark's coming like in hot. switching out batteries behind the uh, scenes as we chat and talk. And he's truly doing like an entrapment kind of Catherine Zeta-Jones sexy move. He's wearing a cat suit. Yeah, he is. He's got his, as, his cheekbones are as nice as hers. That's you true. don't have the rack. But he's but he's got he's got the legs. <laughs> okay. We're back. We're back. Hey. Thank you, Ms. Zeta. And shout out Jones. Noodle Studio Dog, who's the chillest, mellowest. He's just lying on the floor looking so chill. The freaking so nice. best. So I guess I'll give like a backstory to Luna Luna and then because you also went after I did. I did. So Luna Luna, um actually let's do this together. Sure. Because you had such strong opinions too about it. So Luna Luna was a carnival that took place at the um, where they got a bunch of 
artists together who would design like a carousel, like Basquiat did a carousel. Keith Haring did a um, smaller or no, Basquiat did a Ferris wheel. Keith Haring did a carousel. And there was just all this beautiful art everywhere. Geodesic domes by Salvador Dali. And then it all disappeared after 1987. And it was just unearthed in all of these shipping containers. And um, Drake and a bunch of people put their money together to open it as an exhibit here in Los Angeles currently. Yeah. And the idea behind it was that it was um, an amusement park for the people. So all of these artists came together to create this gathering place that was full of art that was designed for people to interact with and enjoy that was opened to the crowds, I think in, what did you say it was 87? Well, this says 87, but okay. it we, also all of the descriptions within it were about the tail end of World War II and fascism. Well, and that's so I don't those, really know those what Those artists the... were born largely like in the 20s, 30s and 40s. A lot of the, Andre Heller, who was the guy who brought it all together, was um, born uh, at that time. And many of them were hugely impacted or their families were by the second world war and the rise of the Nazis and fascism in Italy and beyond. And so their artwork was a direct response to that kind of oppression. And the idea was that art is a response to fascism and can actually combat the rise of fascism. If people are given access to art and things that connect them, then they won't respond to the pull of fascism. And I actually took a screenshot of that very sentiment and I put it on my story. If you talk about it for a moment, I can actually read what the statement uh, said. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is you gave me a um, ticket to this as a Christmas gift, mm -hmm. but you also only got me one ticket because you know that I only go to museums by myself. Yeah. I don't want to go with anyone. <laughs> I have a very specific museum plan and it does not involve <laughs> other people, but it also does involve me asking other people to take photos for me. So I would go to a museum with you, but I was really glad to go solo to this one because I could really lean into the type of experience that a museum means to me. And I stayed there for four freaking hours. I'm so I glad. Ham. I really did think about like buying two tickets and like taking taking you as the, and then I was like, no, this is just, I think that he will enjoy. I mean, even going- A solo experience. Yeah. Even when I was going to like visit LA to see if I was going to move here, I went to the um, Beyond the Street street art exhibit alone. Yeah. I went to the Hollywood Bowl alone. You went to see Dudamel. I went to see freaking Dudamel. Not compose. What does he do? Conduct. Yeah. A Alone. composition. Yes. Yeah. He conducts compositions. Yeah. With his little wand. His tiny little <laughs> wand. Oh, is that your little wand, Dudamel? Oh, oh what could, a cute little wand. No, that's nice. What uh, is like a chopstick. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I just pulled it up the origin story. Can I read a little bit from it yeah. for the Luna Luna situation? Part mood board, part cultural history. Uh, this timeline shines a light on how the world's first art amusement park came to be. So it's like this whole sort of like walkthrough um, timeline where you could see they were, they were, um, I mean, it's a fucking timeline. It's like, you know, here's what's happening here and here's what's happening over here at the same time. And then you can kind of connect the dots of like, oh, yeah, the Nazis were rising to power at the same time as this artist was born, yada, yada. So it says, what were some of the critical art elements of art and culture that inspired Heller and made Luna Luna possible? For artists of the post-World War II period, art was a powerful mechanism for questioning society's values, a way to both engage with and escape the 20th century's conflicts and traumas. Luna Luna's emphasis on joy and play and its democratic values of audience participation were born of a desire to harness the power of art to ensure that fascism could never again take hold of the public imagination. Wow. 
Wow. So that was the idea behind Luna Luna at the time and supposedly also behind the idea of bringing it back. <laughs> and we'll get into it. Well, let's I mean, we have to now. You said the word supposedly. <laughs> I can't think of a more for- foreshadowy word than supposedly. I had thoughts, Mike, but let's let's hear about your experience. Well, no, because mine are positive. Yeah, I know. So let's get into the positive. <laughs> no, first. You do good news first. <laughs> yeah, please. Always. Okay. I didn't know you were good news then bad news. Okay, so my whole deal at a museum is I think the point of, especially with things like street art and graffiti and taking something as um, ubiquitous as a carousel and then turning it into a statement and a piece. Mm. And, and you know, Basquiat's um, Ferris wheel is all white with all of this, like, it, it has... Um, the word Jim Crow all over it. It has all of this like slave imagery. It has a lot to do with the time he grew up in in history, especially for African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And to have an all white Ferris wheel with all of that imagery on it is fucking brilliant. And so my thinking is, well, I should use that kind of construction to make my own art while I'm there. So I'm taking what I think of as creative and artistic photos of myself with the art. It's not just like a picture of the thing and here's a picture of me. I'm trying to become a part of the entire experience. So there was a moment when a conductor, not Dudamel, but a different conductor, is painted on the side of a facade and he has someone farting in his face while he's <laughs> conducting. Yeah. And so I asked someone to take a picture of me crouched like the conductor so that the fart was in my face as mm-hmm. if I was the conductor too. And it made everyone around me laugh and that's fine. But it, my point was to use the environment for my own creative outlet. Uh-huh. And that is what fills me up at a museum. But also that's why I want to go alone so that I can really take those chances and take those risks and get yelled at a little bit by the staff for crossing the uh, do not cross this line all the time. Sure. I'm just continually crossing that line, but fuck them. Like it's a graffiti art piece. It's all about street art. And so I, I, I'm not going to play by the rules because this whole thing is about not playing by the rules. It's about destroying fascism. So I'm not going to play by the rules. I'm going to destroy the order of things to create more art. And that is my favorite part of a museum. That's why MoMA, I love because it's modern art, so you can interact with it. But I'm not a big fan of like fat babies and creamy tummies from the portrait eras of the Renaissance because it doesn't do anything for me and I can't interact with it in a way that allows me to put my own creative output it into it sure it all has a place in the world but it's not for you that's totally yeah yeah understandable so um that is my experience at luna luna is just like complete i even on one of they had one of the cargo containers there and it was covered in dust so i wrote my name in the dust and tagged it and somebody (laughs) was like oh and i was like whatever i'm here to tag it up let's go i'm an artist too so hopefully my name is on is going to continue to be in the dust of Luna Luna for uh, the rest of the time. You really need to go to Burning Man, Mike. I'll just leave that there. We don't even need to talk about it, but go. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's awesome. And I'm so glad that you had a wonderful time and that you felt filled up. And the pictures that you took and you got other people to take of you were really cool. And um, I I think you were exactly the right person to have that experience. Like, I'm glad that that was a gift that I gave you that you enjoyed. Like, it means a lot that you liked it. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad because you texted me right afterwards and you were like, that was the fucking coolest thing ever. And I was like, wonderful. Yep. Could make me feel better. Unreal. So yeah. thank you. You're um, welcome. And what was your experience? Well, I went the next morning and I want my money back. <laughs> 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 but not because I didn't like it. 
I did like it. I thought it was really fucking cool. That timeline was one of my favorite pieces about it, where it was showing how it all fit into the world at that time, how those artists were responding to oppression and dictatorships. And Basquiat was responding to racism and slavery. And Keith Haring was talking about like making art about being a gay man in the fucking in New York. And, you know, like all of these artists were they were all expressions of, you know, outrage at the unfairness of the world, but then making it fun and beautiful and cool and interactive. And when that happened and it was opened up to the people as an amusement park, there's a documentary film that you get to sit down and watch. And there are all of these hordes of people on the rides, enjoying the rides, touching the rides, um, getting pictures taken in front of the rides with various actors and character and artists. And this was so weird because they had totally taken this whole art amusement park that was made for the people to interact with and they've commodified it. It's expensive. The tickets are expensive. Yeah, and then are. you can't touch or interact like to your point i couldn't get on a ride and there were no performers in like weird costumes and stuff i mean my understanding is that there are performers there sometimes maybe in the evenings or something i saw i saw someone juggling i saw a puppeteer you did so yes okay when i was there there were no performers yeah this was until like seven at night yeah and and everything was just like it was i was like oh so you took something that was an artistic expression of outrage against fascism and oppression and that was made for the people to connect them and foster a sense of community. And you put it behind glass to commodify it and charge a bunch of money for it. And there's like all a bunch of upgrades that you can get in the experience. Like you can go in and pay your ticket and then you still have to pay more money to like get inside David, Hock David Hockney's Enchanted Tree. I was like, Drake, you have a bazillion, gazillion, patrillion, manillion dollars and you owe the world a few fucking favors for some of the shit that you've said and done. I'm not saying you shouldn't make money, but like you should make this free for at least one fucking day a week or something. I'm not saying every ticket has to be free even. I think the whole fucking thing should be free. I think the whole thing should be free. But at the very least, like most um, museums have a, have a day where you can go between five and seven and you can like get into certain exhibits for free. At least that. There is none of that. There is no giving back to the people. The gift shop, I was like, how much is a pack of stickers? Yeah. Like. Okay, so th that was my main beef with it was not that I didn't enjoy it or have a great time walking around and looking at stuff and taking pictures and like really marveling at that Basquiat Ferris wheel. It's fucking incredible. But that was my main thing. And then also, and this was just because it's very of the time. It was, you know, 70s and 80s. Um, th it was just very male. Yeah. And that's just that artwork and that time of the artwork. And I'm just very uh, aware of that and like it's it's not that it's not for me because it's fucking fascinating and I do want to look at it and learn more about it but I'm also like so where in this documentary or in the original amusement park were the women and where are the women in this particular iteration of it I'm just wondering I was just curious about that and sure. that wasn't even a beef I was just like huh but um, <laughs> give me my money back, Drake. Like, make this free. And I could afford a ticket, but make it fucking free. You know what I mean? You should make it free one day. You should do something so that everyone can come be a part of this. Yeah. Um, especially because I don't exactly know what fascism is, but I know <laughs> that the way you're talking about this art piece feels closer to fascism than freedom. So. So, because you and I have talked a little bit about this, like the textbook definition definition of fascism is like a lot of people throw the word around right but the textbook definition of fascism is a totalitarian totalitarian sorry I'm stoned a totalitarian style of government in which there is like one charismatic leader Mussolini Stalin maybe the the former guy um who 
rises to power by consolidating power by othering other groups of people, uh-huh. immigrants, the gays, the Jews, the like, you know, like just saying like, we, we are in the right and we are good and it is us against them. And then they increasingly um, implement really rigid structures of power and um, economy that benefit that group of people, that protected class of people and everyone else fucking suffers. That's like a super, super, super simple textbook definition I feel like a it. lot of science fiction films I've seen are starting to yeah. make more sense to me now. <laughs> Totalitarianism. Right. You're okay. like, yeah, you're reading 1984. Okay. That's like the expression of like absolute fucking fascism, right? Like, Got it. So it's, and that's why it's terrifying is because like if it benefits you and you're in power because of it, then it feels fucking great because the whole system works for you. But if you are not one of the people that benefits and it gradually benefits no one, ultimately, uh, it's fucking terrifying. And so I think that like it's so fascinating because during the Second World War, Stalin and Mussolini were fascists and, you know, the fucking Nazi party and Hitler were all sort of saying, like, we have this protected class of people and they should be in power. And then all of these other people should either fucking be executed or just not have anything. And we are seeing that happen again now in many ways, this sort of like neo-fascism. And it's like, how is this possible? How, how can this be happening? Why do we have such short memories? And I think the the call to be connected to art and be connected to community is a really fucking cool way to say like, yeah, does, does art have the power to combat what is happening again? To actually, for me, to be reconnected to all of these other groups of people and not feel superior or inferior, but feel in balance because of the connection and the power of art. Yeah. I hope that it's possible. So you make me think of two things now that I um, understand fascism. <laughs> I mean, I better. barely understand it, but like that's well, look, basics um, that I understand. I, I, my, my pushback on your idea of like interacting with this is it was preserved forever and you don't want little kids climbing all over this like historical thing. For but sure. A more artistic and interesting choice is to let kids climb all over it and destroy these pieces and let Keith Haring's like colors chip away and have it all fall in a way that is even more emblematic of the America we live in today. If that was something that would be allowed to see what that destruction, what beauty would come out of that destruction, what the cleanliness and the refurbishing of a lot of these pieces allow them to decay, allow them to be used, yeah. allow them to speak for the use of the people by the people. I think it's a very interesting art piece. I think it could have I think it could have been interesting, but obviously you don't want to destroy original artworks by important artists who are now fucking dead. But my pitch would be make a couple of reconstructions that we can interact with. Like that Kenny Scharf uh, swing. Yeah, that was really neat. Was so beautiful. His work is so iconic. I also had no idea that he was that old. Like he, that Kenny Scharf was actually making art that long ago because he, he I feel like he's just gotten famous in like the last 20 years but yeah. he's obviously been very famous for a super fucking oh, long time i didn't time. know that i had no idea but he like it would have been so cool to build a reconstruction like that and put it out in the parking lot or have like a couple of like an adjacent immersive experience carnival popped up in the parking lot where you can actually not pay more money right. but just maybe get on some rides and be like oh this def- feels like a carnival like it didn't it, it it's built as an amusement park and i was like i was not amused <laughs> Were you parked? I was parked and I fucking paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) It was like 20 extra bucks. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyway, no, I really did love it. I think it's so fucking cool. I think it is important to bring this art back and show, like, look, 40 years ago, these artists were screaming, like, let us not forget about the horrors of the Second World War and the Vietnam War. Art is important to not forget these things. And now here we fucking are. 
there's war everywhere we look and it just feels like yeah what are we doing so the weed and grub uh question of the ep is <laughs> what art is out there that is really turning your screws making you oh, yeah. making you happy and horny out there because um this did it for me but yeah. for you it represented something that is so today that it feels like mm. okay and especially coming into in these times yeah. in these times <laughs> I will, you I, know what is the art today that is um combating fascism and all of the things i have learned a ton from our friend andrea guzetta and her beautiful account where she makes art that's about death and beauty and memento mori and all this stuff where she paints in like really bright and beautiful colors but a lot of it is about decay and the cycle of life and death so follow her uh, just because of her work. But then she's also introduced me to a ton of really interesting artists who are coming up. Some of them are working in fabric and yarn that are like there's one artist. I can't remember their name. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. But there's very specifically like they combat the idea that like fabric art is um, not worth um, anything because it's quote unquote feminine. But mm. then they make these like huge fucking pieces that just are like cover giant fucking museum walls and are like you know so intricate and so incredible like how could you look at that and say that that's not like legitimate because it's not like spray paint or something it's just really interesting like the different politicizations of different like forms of art and how you express yourself in different media and different colors and everything but like i'm i'm really into some of these like younger queer and female artists who are coming up that i'm learning about through andrea's account and also i mean always street art's so fucking interesting you know follow claw money if you don't like she's one of the og fucking artists to you know get out there yeah yeah yeah. All right. I want to hear from everyone. What What's out there? What do you like? Oh, Who I just like? I just said a bunch of stuff. Why don't you say some stuff that you like right now? Because it's it for me it's um, Neckface, Basquiat, uh, Jr. Always that guy who does the glacier paintings on the huge uh, blocks of ice. Yeah. Uh, of the faces, and then as the block of ice in, in the middle of the Arctic Circle melts away, so does the face. Mm. That kind of stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Um. But I I can't remember their name. Okay. Uh. It's not Mike. Glazer, so I don't really know what it is. Um, speaking of decay and everything falling away, yeah, you wanted to talk about what? Oh, dead malls, just briefly, because I uh, saw a TikTok from a guy who he have you ever seen him? He does that sing songy voice modulator on TikTok, and he used to be in a Christian fundamentalist church. And he's like, when I was in a Christian fundamentalist church in the nineties, oh, I can't that that is not pleasing to my ears. Oh, okay, that rhythm, that yeah. sound, that pitch mm -hmm. does not agree with these. Little lobes. Okay. <laughs> my stir up, my anvil. Yep. They all go. You don't like it. I okay. He, I find him funny. My I follow him. Horn. And he, <laughs> I don't know what the other bone is. He was yeah the shin bone. What's the other bone? In your ear. Stirrup anvil. And what's the third one? Clo cloaca. Horseshoe. Horseshoe. Is it? I think it's horseshoe. <laughs> I think it's horseshoe. I don't. I think cloaca has to do with the genitalia, doesn't it? Um. We don't yes, know. Yes. <laughs> that is a bird hole. Yeah. That's a bird hole. Yeah, I think the cloaca Not an ear hole. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. It's like you don't have a cloaca in your ear, Mike. <laughs> Lord God. Good Lord. What are the three ear bones, Mark? Mark says... Uh, no, no. There's, they're fun names. Malleus. No, incubus. that's not fun. Incubus. Oh, we don't know. Um, Primus. We're learning on, the, on air. We're and, doing it on the fly. Uh, Meshuggah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, malls are dead. 
Well, he, yeah, he was uh, walking around a mall in his hometown and just talking about, you know, pointing at empty storefronts, darkened storefronts. It looks like the set of like The Last of Us or, you know, any zombie movie. What's that one with Sarah Polly? Dawn of the Dead? Day of the Dead. Is it mall? It's a mall zombie movie where mm-hmm. they're in the mall and with it's, Sarah Polly. it's all about capitalism consumers Ugh. and from a mall. I mean, they so all are, good. right? But yeah. They are, but that one, like, you can't get, I even got that. that I was one? like, oh yeah, I know what that oh, is. Oh shit. <laughs> this is about capitalism. Yeah. yeah. It's so, oh, fuck, I love Sarah Polly. Anyway, it just looks like a set from any of those movies. He's just pointing at, you know, empty Cinnabons and being like, this is where we used to hang out when I was a teenager. And I was thinking about it because I was, I hung out at the Games Arcade downtown and at the Avenue. Avalon Mall when I could get to the mall, when I could get a ride, which wasn't all that often, but it was like, I guess most weekends. And I was thinking about mall culture and how important it was to us as a teenager. It was so, it was my formative years to be able to safely go to a like brightly lit place and walk around and look at things without getting in too much trouble. Yeah. And then I, I heard something on NPR about how like that mall culture, you know, really with malls dying disappeared. And like, where do the kids go now? And there's sort of a, a, a revival happening. Oh, good. But I wanted to talk to you about it because good. I know like I was in St. John's, Newfoundland and you were in St. Louis, Missouri, but you were also like a mall kid, right? Like Mall you- kid. It was my first, uh, not my first job. Some of my first jobs mm-hmm. were two mall stores. Yeah. One was uh, Express for Men where I wore <laughs> bright lime green and fluorescent orange collared shirts, black pants, a shiny belt and some shiny shoes and sold club clothes to other overly coloned men. Wow. That was one. And the other one was Spencer's Gifts, where I had blue hair and bleached eyebrows and a tongue ring and sold shot glasses and eye patches. Two sides. And then would your friends come around and get you after work and you'd like all walk around together and stuff? No, but I made friends there Mm -hmm. and we all stole stuff for each other we all hooked it up we Mm -hmm. all like yeah i made friends there and then on the weekend we would all me and my friends would all get ripped out of our minds and go see movies yeah at the mall that was so and we would get there early so we could like go to a bunch of the stores and check out what's new at Foot Locker, and then go see the movie and then um uh, and, and so, you know, I spent a lot of time there and yeah. I loved it. I think I held hands with a chick there. Ooh, you know what I mean? That's a big deal. I remember holding hands with Jason Geary at the Avalon Mall and I was like, oh my God, I'm basically married. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And you hold hands so long that it gets sweaty. Yes, exactly. And then you don't know when to let go. But it's still cold for some reason. Yes, like just why the whole am thing. I cold? And you don't know how to sweating. kiss, but you try and mash faces. It's just like such a such a wonderful, awkward funny time and that should happen outside of an auntie Anne's. yeah right that should happen outside of a pr- while you're both holding orange julius's that's yeah. appropriate i'm so glad it's coming back because i was thinking the other day about and i'm so not tapped into what um what age are we talking here like 12 13 14 yeah. like your mom dropping you off oh totally yeah yeah I, I was thinking the other day i was like it's so weird i don't know a lot of kids in the, who are 12 to 14 thank God. But (laughs) like they all have jobs now. Like they're all on TikTok trying to get famous and they're all trying to get through school and they're all like uh, connecting through the internet. It seems to me, maybe Mm. I'm wrong because they're still playing sports. They'll still have community activities. They're still doing all the things. But it's weird how all I see of kids is them on the internet on the internet in their bedroom with a front-facing camera playing Twitch or trying to like do a dance or something meaningful to them. But it also feels like they're they're already giving themselves jobs yeah. in this society. So the idea of going to the mall and just like stealing some earrings <laughs> and, you know, getting a free sample of orange chicken from Panda Express is so important. So I'm so yeah. glad that's coming back. Well, I don't know. I don't know the statistics around like where it went and when it's coming back and how many kids are on the internet versus how many kids are like, at, you know, actually going out in the real world again. But like, 
obviously the pandemic took three formative years away from an entire generation of kids who now just like are desperate to like see each other in the in the flesh i yeah, think i hope so I, I you know those those are the kids who would be the age where they're yeah going to the fucking mall but i also feel like that whole world of like YouTubers who were just, you know, like eight years old unboxing things and TikTokers who were just dancing like Charlie, whatever her name is. I, they're certainly not coming across my for you page or my fucking YouTube anymore. Do you see those guys? Like, I feel like most of the TikToks that I see are some kind of funny, like either a weird prank or a funny educational sort of thing or like animal stuff, but it's not people doing dances anymore. And I'm not seeing like, um, although I never have because my algorithm on YouTube has always been like <laughs> narcissistic abuse <laughs> and never like pizza reviews. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on on YouTube. I never have. <laughs> that should be a dating profile requirement. You have to share a screenshot of your algorithm or yeah. you have to share a five second scroll of your algorithm. Yeah. What is it? What is no it? No way. I would never get a date. <laughs> <laughs> I would never get a date. I'm, you know, in the dating pool. And once I'm like, yeah, ready to like start sharing bios of whatever apps I'm on, I will fucking, I'll let you know how it goes. But uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's so funny. Like mm -hmm. the idea of like, oh man, I just saw a, a puppy on a capybara. What about you? I'm looking up borderline personality disorder <laughs> and how you shouldn't date someone who is going to try to kill you. <laughs> so go to the mall. Yeah, go to the mall. Hook up in real life. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, your food thing actually um, made me think of the news story this week. Do you want to talk about it? I do. It's your news story. I'm, I'm excited so, to hear more about it. I'm so excited too. Should we shout out Centair? Because we love these guys, even though this is actually not officially sponsored by them, but we just love you guys at Centair. And they sent us this thing that's pumping out the most delicious scent right now for us to enjoy. And uh, I hope you can still use our code. Go over and try it. Grub. 25% off. Yeah, if it yeah. still works. I mean, we we smoke this joint in here. And yeah. all I smell is... Uh, Baked cookies. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So I thought for the news this year, because I, I'm, I'm starting to get so frustrated with... Um, political news especially in oh, cannabis God. yeah like biden at the end of the last year it's worth calling out it's worth saying yeah thank goodness get people out of prison yes what are we talking about all day every day but not enough way too late i need big moves yeah so my thinking if i can pitch to you live just really quickly for anyone who doesn't know what happened at the end of the year biden issued some more um federal uh charge Ex uh, expunges expunge expungements pardons for people who had federal federal cannabis charges i can't even get it out because it's just like it's it's meaningful but also it's like on the grand scale of things he's not doing enough absolutely and okay. speaking of sponges um that one you gave me for the holidays is amazing what did i give you the face a scrub daddy scrub daddy shout out scrub daddy not also not a sponsor, but heck of a sponge. Um, <laughs> Great. Love Scrub Daddy. <laughs> Number so, one Shark Tank product of all time. Well, yes. <laughs> so my thinking was for news this year for the Grubble Gazette, what if we also come up and find really cool news that would be fun for people to share in a smoking circle or during a sesh or with their friends, just being stoned and being like, I heard about this. Mm -hmm. So I thought I could maybe start something like that for if there's a slow news week, we can share something that one of us thinks is really cool that might be fun for other people to share while they're smoking and hanging. Let's hear it. All I'm, right. here to, I'm here to hear it. So my Grubble Gazette this week is a paper written by a Anders Sandberg, who um, is a University of Oxford Future of Humanity Institute. And he wrote a paper about what if the earth turned into a giant pile of blueberries. 
<laughs> this guy has a doctorate. Yeah. And he's writing papers. Nice. Okay. So, so the big question is, and he did math. He did all the science math. You know how like it uses like Greek stuff and it has numbers, but also letters, but it's still math somehow. Mathematics are, yeah, it's right? pretty amazing. Feels, I got questions about that. It's, You're telling me a number is a letter, but it's also an idea. No, you but didn't it's like also algebra? I loved algebra. No, I had to cheat through it. <laughs> um, anyway, so the big question is, what if our earth suddenly turned into a same size, but it just turned into a pile of blueberries? Okay. The short answer, things would start exploding. Yes. Long answer. And please interrupt me because I'm going to try and go slow, but I think all of this is fascinating. Okay. Just let me get this straight. He published an actual research paper on this or yeah. this is like he wrote an op-ed for the school newspaper or something? No, this is something. a factual, scientifically researched in a journal <laughs> locked in. This is what would happen if the earth was made of blueberries. Wow. Piece of- He had time. He had time. <laughs> okay. Real fun. Carry on. Okay. Um- <laughs> So the the uh, it's big. I, I should explain just very clearly. Um, the Earth is spontaneously, instantly replaced with an equal volume of closely packed but not compressed blueberries. Okay. So the thing about that is, you know how um, blueberries? There's going to be space for air in between those blueberries because they're not square. So it's not a perfect fit. And because there would be that air in between blueberries, our gravity would immediately st- Drop by 87%. Oh, wow. So if you weighed 150 pounds, you'd only weigh 20 pounds as soon as all that blueberry and air took over. Okay. Um, and then because of that low, low gravity, things would all start changing really fast because all that tr- air trapped between blueberries would rush to the surface as the blueberries start to collapse on themselves because air is escaping like a balloon. So all of the blueberries that make up the earth are being pulled in by that gravitational pull and then huge bubbles would burst onto the surface and the interior of the planet would just become a steaming pile of thick blueberry jam (laughs) almost right away wow so geysers of jam are going to be shooting up which would then cause because of the core the worst earthquake ever so now you've got blueberry tsunamis you've got buildings collapsing because of the blueberry earthquake yeah and while all of that is going on and everything heats up drastically turning into boiling jam and steam there would be an ocean of jam on top of a frozen core called a blueberry granita and if you know what a granita is from food, it's when you freeze something and then you scrape it and it just becomes like a delicious, like almost like ice treat. And they usually do it with fruit. Mm-hmm. And so our core would become a blueberry granita um, compressed into a solid by that extreme pressure and gravitational pull. I don't understand how that works because isn't the core of the, the actual earth that is not a blueberry very, very hot with magma? So why is he positing that the very center of a blueberry earth would be cold? I'll read this and maybe it'll help, but maybe not. Um, Everything heats up drastically by about 143 degrees Celsius or 258 degrees Fahrenheit, thanks to that gravitational energy release, until the entire environment is boiling jam and steam. The result is a world that has a steam atmosphere covered in blueberry jam on top of a warm blueberry granita, which is a hot core of blueberry ice compressed into a solid. Does it say hot core of ice? Yeah, hot core of blueberry ice. How high is this person? I don't understand what a hot core of ice looks like. Well, there's a link that would explain <laughs> that, but I don't want to click the link. 
But I, should I click the link? <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, but then I have to read quietly a, a whole nother term paper. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I won't click that link. Okay. But let's put a link to this in the show notes and people can DM us and weigh in and like, what do you think about this? Yeah. Now, what about the sky? Okay. Would it still be bluish with beautiful clouds? Okay. No, it would not. Um, oh, it would still be bluish with all of those clouds. The problem is because the gravity released so quickly and everything compressed so fast into um, molten magma jam that our moon's gravitational pull would be released and it would shoot the moon into orbit. Okay. And we would no longer have a moon. Oh, that would be a drag. That would be a drag. Maybe <laughs> roll. Oh, it wouldn't be a drag, actually. Yeah. Hey. -o. hey. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, there are still many open-ended questions after this paper was produced. You know, will all that hot blueberry sugar ferment into alcohol? Will bacteria still be able to live? What about mm. the cockroaches? We haven't tested them with hot blueberry jam yet. Where do they live? <laughs> so there's a lot more to mine into, as they say, uh -huh. and get deeper with. What happens to antioxidants? What happens to iron and all of the... What happens to all of the creatures? All the things. Yeah. Or is it truly just a swirling Does everything... Is it just like an extinction level event? Yeah. With the Big Berry Bang? And um, a Big Berry Bang? <laughs> Come on, Mary Jade. Yeah, well, I think everything's dead, you know? Yeah. So I don't think this sounds good at all, but, you know, carry the on. Big Berry Bang. God <clears throat> damn it. You rock. You rule. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, then he goes on to answer if he thinks that this kind of paper is worthwhile, and he kind of backs up why he did it. Oh, he does think it's worthwhile? Yeah. He was like, this is both pedagogical and amusing way of applying standard planetary science modeling to a system. Given how exotic exoplanets have turned out, the physics of a blueberry Earth would actually be a fairly normal compared to what is actually out there in uh, our universe. Okay. So it's just like a fun experiment in sort of wondering what distant planets might look like. Not what it would actually look like if Earth became a blueberry. No, this is about if Earth was a blueberry. Right, right. But it's a way of imagining what other planets could look like as yeah. well. It's also saying, yes. like, let's push <clears throat> the thinking to what the really, heck could be out there. I'm so glad you read that little bit because I was like, I just kind of resent this guy. There's like more important shit to fucking be uh, written about and researched. But now I understand and I appreciate it. And I'm like, yeah, it is amusing. And it's felt like scientists actually are like really geeky and funny in so many ways. Like when they like get into, you know, they're like, science jokes and stuff. Yeah. They're the most fun. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, I like this guy. Yeah. What's his name again? Anders. 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 Dr. Anders. Dr. Anders at Oxford. Up, no, it's okay. I just want to look into him and like what else he does because he sounds like kind of like a, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson or like a Bill Nye, like a fun person to follow and learn more from about science and astrophysics and Anders kind of Sandberg. Stuff. Anders Sandberg. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow him and learn more. So hopefully he has other funny papers to read. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> cool. um, well, this is a real arty up. I'm into <laughs> it. Let's fill it up. I also just am very confused by the hot granita ice, but we don't need to even talk about it anymore. I will say, um, yeah, I think it would be an extinct extinction level event. For well, everything. yeah, like, I mean, to even make jam, you have to boil sugar. And if that was on your body, that's the third yeah. degree burn right sounds there. Sounds awful. So, yeah, well, I think we all it's like a it's like a sticky Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We're all just like trapped in the amber. <laughs> trapped in jam. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Jam packed. Yep. OK. I all mean, right. your blueberry Big Bang is the best joke. I could <laughs> I could try, but I'm not going to get there. <sighs> 
Um, do we have time for a little cream corner? Oh, yeah. Do you want to skip how I almost shit my pants on New Year's Eve? No, I don't. That's what happened. We can move on. Let's hear it. No. What happened? I We both spent New Year's Eve just fucking... Uh, like I didn't go out. I had all these plans to take Molly and go dance and take mushrooms and turn up. And instead, I truly got some turnips because I went to a great 24 hour Mexican restaurant, ordered a bunch of food. And on the walk back, everything just dropped in my stomach and I almost shit my pants at 1201. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What about you? What'd you do? Um, I stayed. You can see it if you're watching our YouTube. This is what I did. I made a ritual candle out of an orange with an intention inside and a bunch of um little bits of um, rose petals and some sage from a hike that I recently went on. And I put like intention into it. And then I lit it and pulled a tarot card and then sat it and watched it burn into a crisp. And it was pretty cool. That's awesome. My orange candle. Yeah, it was neat. I'm very glad I put it in Pyrex though, because I was just going to light it like sitting on a little, you know, a dish. And then I put it inside a Pyrex um, bowl because I was like I'm not sure how this is going to go and then the flames went, shot up so high that I ended up taking the whole thing outside and watching it burn outside because it didn't feel safe to have in my house yeah. so if you're making your own candles just you know beware is it because of the <clears throat> orange uh, the zest and the pulp and the citrus like you know how you spray mm-hmm. an old fashioned and you light it and it sparks yeah it, it was the orange that was so flammable it was it was a bunch because I also had like rose petals and sage and b- different like dried plants in the wax. So those kept like lighting and flaring. Hmm. And then when it got to the actual orange rind, the like it truly burned into a clean white ash. The only thing that was left was a crystal that I had put in there. Oh, that's so <laughs> fucking powerful. Yeah, it was neat. God damn. It was neat. So that's what I did. Also, witches don't get enough credit for their fire safety. Yeah, it's important you know to know saying? about like, fire. There's no history about witches boiling, brewing, and using everything at their disposal to like put good energy into the world and mm-hmm. also not burn down their hay roof. Right. Credit to the witch. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. <laughs> witches are very safe. Witches are so much safer. Yeah. It's not the witches you need to worry about. <laughs> like, why do they teach us to be afraid of the witches? They're not actually the ones who are fucking straight up murdering people. How about that? So. How about that? <laughs> have a little cream corner. Let's do a little cream corner. I brought us some... David Chang noodles to try. They might have congealed a little bit because they've been sitting, but we'll see. Um, Thank you for these, Mike. I got a very special Christmas package full of um, all sorts of different components. It was really fun to open because you kept handing me things and you're like, I was like, oh, eggs. Oh, scallions. Oh, expensive mirin. Oh, and then I opened up um, some David Chang um, Momofuku chili crisp oil and these David Chang... I don't need to keep saying David Chang, but they are his noodles from his Momofuku line of foods. And these are the tingly, chili, wavy noodles that have totally been sitting too long. So they are a little tough to pick up. But here, we'll do a little taste. Cool. Let's do it because I took off my sweater from your gift because I do not want to get Momofuku ramen noodles all over my new Mm. clothes. How are they? Never, ever buy packaged top ramen again if these are available to you. Those are so... This is delicious. Yeah. The flavoring is fantastic. <clears throat> and they come in a pack of five noodles per bag. And um, I don't know, because it was a gift, I don't I don't have a price point on them, but it just feels like, yeah, spend your money on this if you're, if you're into this sort of like instant noodle situation. And these were, it just took them like f- four minutes to cook up. And then you add the sauce packet and then you can top it with chili oil you can throw a boiled egg in there you can you know make yourself a little uh, homemade ramen yeah my thinking was in getting you this homemade ramen gift set um 
was like you're making so many sandwiches yeah but also like you gotta take care of your body and you gotta eat hearty satisfying things yeah so, and i need a break from the sandwiches yeah and so like a soy egg and some pork belly mm -hmm. and some scallions will do it for you mm -hmm. and also david Chang rules mm -hmm. so oh come on the pod dude one million percent put that in the air for a, a big fancy guest it is tingly my lips tingle yeah <clears throat> it's a perfect spice level whoa yeah I'm all I feel like little bee stung. Well, one of my my cream corner because I wanted to also apologize for last week because uh, <laughs> you cooked so much in 2023, Mary Jane. You made latkes for us, and then I fucked. You know, I don't need to. <laughs> Moving on, uh -huh. the past is not the present. Peter, Tuesdays at noon. That's right. Um, you can be a sprout. I you can, can be, be a new sprout. growth. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about doing the carnivore diet for a while. Okay, because I have felt my best when i'm eating a bunch of vegetables and greens and broccoli and steak like it's just what makes me feel best i'm okay. satiated what is the carnivore diet exactly my understanding without having read much yet is <laughs> it is um eggs meat red mm -hmm. meat bacon mm -hmm. fat and then for me vegetables are so important i love vegetables i love a big steak salad like and so it's like no sugar no carbs no white flour just a um, lot of animal protein. Animal protein, good fat, mm -hmm. some avocado in there. Okay. And so for me, like if I could make that my diet and just eat steak and vegetables and exercise, mm -hmm. I'm really thinking it'll um I'll feel good. Great. So to start that off, I got Blood Sows barbecue um delivered last night, which is like brisket, rib tips, chicken. They're on La Brea, right? They're on La Brea. Ooh, I love that place. But I also love because that I haven't fully committed to the Carnivore diet yet? I got banana pudding. Oh no and way! So I, thought <laughs> I would bring some creamed corner banana pudding because I gotta tell you, as desserts go, I think that a banana, a BP, might be for me. Yep, this is. How do you feel about banana pudding? I will bathe in banana pudding. I will stuff my pillowcase with banana pudding and go to sleep <laughs> on it. I will make banana pudding my fucking dating bio. <laughs> Here's my for you page and a picture of me bathing in banana pudding. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good way to start the carnivore diet. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's perfect sweetness. A vanilla <laughs> wafer is the unsung hero of the dessert world, in my opinion. Oh, my God. It's so good. Vanilla wafers don't get enough credit. They are a great crust. Mm -hmm. They are a great pudding insert. They are they are such a top cookie, even on their own. They're not too sweet. Uh, that's just so I, – I just got that feeling when you eat something that – harkens back to you know a million times like when you were like a kid and you were kind of sick and you're like your mom mom brought you pudding in bed or you know when you were sad over a heartbreak when you were like in your 20s and you treated yourself to some banana pudding like this is just like it just connects me to a bunch of different times when I felt better Ooh, for eating beautiful. something sweet. And I just felt that little warm glow in my tummy just go like, oh, yeah. Wow. You feel better because you ate it. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That's good. Okay. It's really good, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So ramen and banana pudding. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> good. Mm, lovely. Good so cream far, corner. So good good yeah. cream corner. Awesome. I <clears throat> am going to commit to always bringing something to smoke and eat on this podcast with you because i know it. we've like there's been some weeks where we've just been crazed and we show up at the studio just like both rolling in from a million things going on and we haven't necessarily always taken the time so i'm gonna recommit to that at the top of this year i would love that 
I would love that. Dope. Even if it's just like for me, I'm not cooking as much right now. But even if it's something like a banana pudding from a great place, like great. I can lean in with you as well into that. Perfect. Okay, let's do let's it. Let's do it. Ooh, ooh, I'm excited for this year's apps. <laughs> Speaking of, do you want to get to buds of the week? Let's get to buds of the week. Do you want to go first or second? Um, it doesn't matter to me. I'm I'm good either way. What's the first? Oh, there's a banana pudding picture. Oh, I'll go first because it's the first picture. My bud of the week this week. Thank you to my friend, Eddie Firth, at I am Eddie Firth, a great comic, a great producer. Um, and he just gave me some really kind text recently. And he also pushed me to do something um, in stand-up that I'd never done before. And so ending last year, I, he created with his friend Ryan um, the Netflix show historical roast battles woo yeah he created that wow and now he's doing fictional roast battles and he's in talks with disney to do it for disney for all their new movies because you can do a fictional roast of beauty and the beast you can do a fictional roast of aladdin you can and so hopefully but we did a fictional roast of santa claus and i played the menorah and i've really <laughs> never written roast jokes and i've never pushed myself to write some like body mean fucked up comedy before yeah and it was so fun and uh, it was nerve-wracking and i got some laughs yeah from, you know writing things that just aren't really in my wheelhouse and aren't, don't come naturally to me and so him giving me that opportunity to be the menorah which is a big deal you know i'm the only jewish um sh uh, candle holder on stage <laughs> so it was awesome and then on top of that on new year's eve he just sent me this really long text that was very very meaningful to me and I just feel really close to the guy. And so my butt of the week this week to start out the year right is Eddie Firth for his uh, kindness, generosity, and opportunities and being a good friend. Nice. Yeah. And always with the fits. Oh, yeah. And one one of the jokes is, um, <clears throat> well, Santa, you actually do, though, have a great beard. Mrs. Claus. hey hey You helped me with that one. <laughs> it was fun also listening to some roasts, like, when you were working on that and you were playing me clips of, like... Is it Hannibal? Yeah. Roasting Justin Be Bieber. Bieber. Yeah. And the whole time he's just like, I just don't like you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just here because it's going to help my career. Your music sucks. Yeah. My name's like, Hannibal. That's not even a joke, man. You're just being like mean. <laughs> fuck. Fucking fuck. It's being good at roast is just like so amazing. That's so cool that you had a great time. and got laughs and stuff. So it was great. My favorite joke bombed. Oh, you know how Santa's a pedophile and uh, it's, it's real tricky with him? It's tough. Well, you know what he secretly calls his sleigh? What? The Noel Lita Express. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. Mark, don't look at me. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's I thought that I when I closed my eyes and went to bed and woke up the next day, I was like, here comes a crusher. <laughs> no, nobody wants it. Nobody likes it. <laughs> You're right. Except, except uh, one. Yeah. Yep. Well, who's your bud? My bud. <laughs> my bud of the week. My buds of the week are just the women in my life in general. Uh, my fucking sisterhood. It's so strong on so many levels. But in particular, I wanted to call out this thread that I'm on. And the thread is just called Meow. And uh, they're the trusted meows. It's my three friends who are on this thread. Lauren, Kiria, and Michelle. And they have just like been giving me holiday joy the whole time. Like when I had a sandwich um, right before Christmas that I made uh, blow up on TikTok, they were on this thread just gassing me up all day. You could see on the YouTube, I posted a, a 
little snapshot of it, like of them just going like, a million is so, so close, so proud of your work. We're going to break a million. And then Kiria's like, I'm dying of one cramp at a time, but I'm still checking in the numbers. And like, they, you know, and then like I got my hair cut today and they like immediately all like texted it on the thread. And they were like, it looks so good. You know, that frames your eyes so perfectly. And I was just like, holy shit, I feel so supported and loved and like it makes me want to cry because it just is so meaningful. So um, thank you to uh, you three in particular and just all the women in my life. And like just, you know, sisterhood's important and community is key. And uh, I'm feeling the love. That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. That's awesome. Great um, bud of the week. Great buds of the week. And um, so much to come, you know, 2024 is like, I think going to be really hard in so many ways. And so we've got to gird our loins and like be ready to do all the things we have to do, but also remember to be so kind to ourselves and each other throughout it because we're otherwise you're not going to get through. Yeah. We're, uh, we're going to battle fascism with fucking Ferris wheels. You can actually ride. <laughs> know and, what i'm saying yeah 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 for real for and real. ensure access to legal and safe abortion and so many other things yeah Whew. um follow us at weed and grub on instagram email us at wg at weed and uh please go check out our tour dates because we'd love to sell tickets to those shows so we can book all the other shows come into all the cities near you what else mike um i think it would be different if it was strawberry jam because the shape of the strawberry would actually plug the air pockets that the blueberry allows. Mm. So a strawberry planet might be more stable. Heard. Let's ask Anders what he thinks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it for this week? I think that's it for this week. We smoked, we hang, we snack, we we hugged it out. Yeah. For me, that's a good start to 2024. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Leave a review. Uh, leave a five-star click. Go on our Spotify, go on our YouTube, click the like button, smash that subscribe if people are still saying that. And DM us with your thoughts. We're so grateful for people who like reach out to say things and let us know when something hits and when something doesn't, you know, it's like really cool that you're like just messaging us to let us know what's up. Yeah, I've been held uh, accountable. <laughs> we both have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good. It is good. It is actually good, Mike. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Let's all be sprouts. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.